man of God that is going to be used to minister to us this weekend is known to me as Brother Ferdinand. We met in University of Nigeria in Ubu campus. He was a medical student two years ahead of me. He finished in 1998, 1988, sorry. And um, Brother Ferdinand, unlike many of us, was a complete student. Ferdinand knew how to read, knew how to pray, and knew how to play football. I once took him up on it and he said to me that there is that uh, bodily exercise that profited little, that he wants to have that little profit. And you can see he remains trim. Brother Ferdinand served as the president of the Christ the Rock Charismatic uh, Fellowship. And when he was through with his youth service, he did his youth service in Bauchi. And he stayed on there ministering, giving the word of God. Prof. Ferdinand has served with the uh, Ministry of Health and from there his own private practice. And when the demands of preaching and teaching the word became much on him, he left off active medical practice to focus on preaching and teaching the Word of God. He is the chief executive of Truth Institute. Now, Truth Institute deals with truth first, then roots, then fruit. Hallelujah. And he is the coordinator of Eternity Ministries. Uh, that phrase, Eternity, is something I was also hearing a lot from him whilst he was on campus. He is an alumnus of the Hegai Institute, an international alumnus as well as an international faculty. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce someone whom God has used not only in Nigeria, not just in countries in Africa, but who God has been using to present God's word in different continents physically and via the internet media. Can we give the good Lord a clap offering as we welcome Dr. Ferdinand Wake? Hallelujah. Please welcome your neighbor on my behalf and tell the person you're welcome into the presence of God. Ask the person, are you ready to press to the mark? Or you are joking? Tell the person to get ready because the, the journey is about to start now. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's pray. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you and praise you. And thank you that you have made today possible. You have made it possible for us to gather at your feet to receive of your word. And now we want to ask that the entrance of your word will give us light. We want to ask that whatever you want to do this evening, you will have free course, have free course, complete liberty to do what you want to do in our lives and among your people for the glory of your name in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, gracious Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Welcome. Let's turn our Bibles now to the book of Philippians 
chapter 3, where our text is taken from. Philippians chapter 3. You know, the book of Philippians is one of those um, books that you call the prison epistles. The prison epistles. The reason is because Brother Paul wrote it from prison. He was in prison in Rome when he wrote the book of Ephesians, the book of Philippians, the book of Colossians. And uh, they were called the prison epistles. Of course, along with uh, the second letter that he wrote to Timothy, um, which was the last of his letters. So please go with me to Philippians chapter 3. Let's read it from verse 3 so that we can establish some uh, truth on which we will be building in the days ahead. From verse 3, we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and we rejoice in Christ Jesus and we have no confidence in the flesh. Although I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I have far more basis for that than such a person. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, and uh, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things we are gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. Verse 10 now, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformed or conformable to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on eh, so that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended by Christ Jesus. Okay? Number 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward, to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you as well. And then verse 16, Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, and let us be of the same Mind. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, usually my practice when I'm invited to speak somewhere is to, of course, seek God and pray. But one of the things I like to do is to specifically ask the Lord, what do you want to do in this meeting? What do you want to accomplish? Because if you don't understand what God wants to accomplish, 
it becomes difficult for you to cooperate with God. And in praying and seeking that, there are four things that I received, which I think you might want to write down. The first thing I believe God wants to do is that He wants to bring a fresh revelation of the matchless Christ. God wants to reveal Jesus afresh to us this weekend. A fresh revelation of the matchless Christ. The second thing I perceive he wants to do is to reset priorities. In the light of who Christ is, as we see him in the light of who he truly is, then there will be a rearrangement of our priorities, just like the Apostle Paul also experienced. And then number three, this one I will explain as we go along. But I perceive that Jesus wants to obtain prisoners. Jesus wants to collect prisoners. People that are prisoners of Christ and prisoners of his purpose. Prisoners of Christ, prisoners of his purpose. We are going to see in the course of our study that Brother Paul was actually a prisoner of Christ. You will notice that he never called himself a prisoner of Rome or a prisoner of the Sanhedrin. Never did Brother Paul refer to himself as anybody's prisoner other than the prisoner of Christ. And of course, you can see the reason immediately. It was Christ and the cause of Christ that put him into prison. So I perceive that God wants, Jesus wants to collect prisoners. He wants to capture prisoners this weekend. And uh, I am making this announcement so that if you are not interested, you can escape. <laughs> but I'm telling you what I perceive the Lord Jesus would like to do. And then the final part is that I perceive that God wants to recruit and release chosen vessels. He wants to recruit, that's number one, and then number two, release chosen vessels. But Paul, uh, Jesus called him a chosen vessel when he was speaking to Ananias about Saul. He said, he's a chosen vessel of mine. And I perceive that just like the Lord Jesus Christ uh, recruited and released Paul as a chosen vessel, he's going to do things like that in this weekend. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, now from the passage that we have read, you notice that Paul was apprehended uh, on his way to Damascus. Can you help me put up verse 12? Uh, everyone, go back to verse 12 of where we read. It says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on so that I may apprehend, apprehend that for which also I am what? Apprehended by Jesus Christ. So you see, Brother Paul was apprehended by the Lord Jesus Christ. And that apprehension created a burning desire in Paul to apprehend that for which Christ Jesus also apprehended him. I, I don't know if you are following that now. So that's why by the time you now go to verse 14, or, or actually verse 12 which we read, he said, I press on, I press on. And then in verse 14 he said, I press toward the goal for the price of the upward God call of God in Christ Jesus. So here was a man that was apprehended, pressing towards the goal to apprehend 
the purpose and the agenda for which he himself was apprehended. So he was pressing towards that mark, towards that goal, so that he could win the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. And scripture invites us believers to do the same. So you can now see that for me, as I was waiting on God and looking at these matters, it dawned on me that we cannot begin our studies with pressing towards the mark. If we do that, we will have missed a major matter. The reason is because the foundation of everything that we are reading and everything that we know about Brother Paul was that he was apprehended. If Paul, Saul of Tarsus, had never been apprehended by Christ, there would be no mark to press onto. There would be nothing to pursue. There would be nothing to live for. In fact, there would be no, like, half of the New Testament which the man wrote. All these books of Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, First Timothy, Thessalonians, they are all consequences of his apprehension. It was because Paul was apprehended on Damascus Road that all of those things happened. If he had never been apprehended, there would have been nothing to press onto. And all that God did in him and through him, none of them would ever have come to pass. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. Which now brings us to that word apprehend. So this evening, if you want to write a topic, we are focusing on apprehended. That's the topic of our teaching for this evening. Apprehended. Now that brings us to that word apprehend. And you will agree with me that the word apprehend is not a friendly term. Apprehend is forceful, is violent. I am not a Greek scholar, like somebody mentioned, I trained as a doctor, like many of us here, but I stopped <laughs> with the MBBS and then eventually, of course, left active practice. But occasionally, I like to check these study tools to find the background meaning of certain words in scripture. So I did that with the word apprehend and apprehended. Um, there are software that you can use to check that. It's very easy now. There's one called the eSword, and you can download it for free, by the way. And the word apprehend is katalambano. Katalambano, just as pronounced. K-A-T-A-L-A-M-B-A-N-O. Katalambano. Lambano means to take. But when you add kata to it, it means... You, you understand? You see, that's the root of the word catastrophic. Are you familiar with that word catastrophic? You see, catastrophic is talking about a violent, terrible, destructive situation. So, catalambano is to take eagerly, to seize, to possess, to come upon. It is to catch, to take into custody, to detain, to capture, to arrest, to lay hold of. That's why you will see in the New King James Version, it says, I want to lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ laid hold of me. So, you see, when you, when you look further at that word, you see how that word was used in the New Testament. And that's very important because it will give you an idea of why it was used for what happened to Brother Paul. Now, go with me to mark, uh, stick a finger or put as a marker at Philippians chapter 3, because we'll come back there. But go with me to Mark chapter 9 and verse 18. Everything rests on this apprehension. Everything rests on this apprehended life 
that can now press into the purposes of God. Mark chapter 9 and verse 18. It's a story you have probably read. Remember when the Lord Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and a man brought his son to Jesus. Remember, that man had brought his boy to the disciples, but they couldn't cast out the devil. Huh? So, look at verse 16. Jesus asked them, uh, well, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a demon spirit, a dumb spirit. So this is an evil spirit. Look at verse 18. And wherever it seizes him, Catalambano, Catalambano, wherever it apprehends him. So you see, whenever the demon apprehended this boy, then the demon now began to do his will on this boy. And what are the consequences? You will tear him, you know, you will tear him, you will foam at the mouth, he will gnash with his teeth, he will pine away. And I told your disciples to cast it out, but they could not cast it out. So you see, the word there is a violent apprehension. Imagine a demon. When a demon takes hold of a boy, he's not taking hold of him gently or nicely. Look at what this demon. See, when he, when so, wheresoever he taketh him, that is the word katalambano, apprehend. Whenever this demon spirit apprehends this boy, it now begins to try to destroy him. So you see an example of the word that Brother Paul used of how he was apprehended by Christ. I'll give you another example. Go with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8 tells the story of the woman that was caught in adultery. So from verse 1, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Look at verse 3. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman apprehended, Catalambano, a woman apprehended, caught in adultery. Now, obviously, this is not a friendly situation. You can imagine that this woman was arrested in the act of adultery. And look what he says in verse 4. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was catalambano in adultery. She was arrested, apprehended in adultery. And of course, you know, in this story, you see the partiality of human beings that is far away from the character of God. You can see... If you caught the woman in adultery, then the question is, where is the man? Because one woman cannot commit adultery alone. But you can see human justice. They let that man go and they caught the woman. That is still the way a lot of people view sexual immorality today. They think it's wrong for the woman, but right for the man. I remember one of one day while I was in active medical practice, there is this man, or there is this lady rather, she would come to the hospital with gynecological infections and problems, I will treat her, she will recover. After some time, she will come back again. The thing kept on repeating. So one day I said, Madam, call your husband. I want to see your husband. So when the man came, I was very straight with him. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't pull any punches. I looked at him and I said, why are you bringing sicknesses for your wife from outside? And he, his response was shocking. He started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> then he asked me, he said, Doctor, Doctor, can a man be satisfied with one woman? <laughs> he was laughing. I told him, I said, you better find a way to be satisfied with one woman, with your wife, except you are planning to go to hell. You see, the Pharisees here, 
brought the woman, they left the man. Incidentally, the woman is in heaven now, that man is in hell. Because by bringing the woman to Jesus, they brought her to the place where she encountered the grace of God. That's what happens when people's sins are covered and it is never brought out. But note the point I'm making to you that that woman was what? Caught, taken, arrested, apprehended. Catalambano. Huh? In the act, in the very act of adultery. I can give you other examples, but because of our time, I will move on. You're going to find it plenty. In fact, we know when Peter said, truly I perceive that God shows no partiality. Acts chapter 10 verse 34. That's Catalambano. I perceive. I grasp. And that was a violent experience for Peter. Remember that that experience collided with his religious convictions. You remember, you know what it took for the Lord to get Peter to go to Cornelius' house. The thing came down three times. Peter was still arguing, even at the third time. Until the Spirit of God now spoke to him with clarity and instructed him to go. Thank God he responded. But it gives you an idea of that word. And it's also used of being apprehended by thieves. Imagine when armed robbers, when armed robbers, you know what armed robbers do is to arrest people. Is to apprehend people. It's an illegal arrest that enables them to carry out their evil. So it's a violent term. That's what I'm trying to establish for you. And brother Paul says that I was apprehended by Christ. I was arrested by Christ. I was seized. Actually it was a seizure. Forcefully seized and taken by Christ. Now there are certain marks that you will find with somebody who has been apprehended. You know, when you arrest a criminal, you notice that that criminal is cornered. Eh? It's cornered. There is shock and awe. It's like, ah, uh-uh, ah, uh-uh. ah, you mean I'm not as safe as I thought? I am not as secure and as uh, impregnable as I imagined. There is that trepidation. There is fear. Then you have handcuffs. You have chains. Lost liberties. Now the person can't go where he wants anymore. He can't do what he likes because he has been apprehended. His priorities are changed. If he wants, if he wanted, imagine that um, when uh, that kidnapper was arrested in Lagos, what if he was planning to travel the following week? Will he still make his travel? No, you can't travel now. You have been apprehended. You are now going to do the will of somebody else. And being apprehended has legal and judicial consequences. <laughs> you see, when a criminal is apprehended, now the next thing is to make him to face the law. You have to bring him to the point where he's going to face whatever laws he has broken or whatever sentence that he merits. And that can result in imprisonment. So notice, Brother Paul was apprehended and sentenced to prison for Christ. He was apprehended. And the person that apprehended him made him a prisoner. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. So the, the apprehended life is not available for everything except what the apprehending authority allows. You see, when somebody has been arrested, the person has been hijacked, the person has been seized, such a life is not available for everything. And Paul was certainly captured. He was possessed, seized, and literally arrested by the Lord Jesus Christ on Damascus Road. Which now takes us to 
chapter 9 of Acts of the Apostles. So, let's go and see this man's apprehension. Let's see how he was arrested. And you will agree with me that it was violent. This was not a friendly situation at all. Paul collided, Saul of Tarsus collided with something bigger than himself. And he changed everything. Acts chapter 9. And we are reading from verse... Well, of course, if you remember the end of chapter 7, uh, towards the end of chapter 7, would you like to go there with me and look at verse 57? Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him. That is, they came at Stephen with one accord. And then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. Now look at that part. And the witnesses, what did they do? They laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So you see, that's the first time Saul is mentioned in that chapter 7. Now by the time you now get to chapter 9, uh, Dr. Luke, who wrote Acts of the Apostles here, now tells us, he says, then Saul, that we just introduced to you, the keeper of the clothes of the people that stoned Stephen. That Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. You know, sometimes when I read the Bible, one of the things that helps me to understand the Bible is to take it literally. When you, when you start spiritualizing or psychologizing or uh, uh, trying to make the Bible say less than what it says. You have a problem. I want you to just literally imagine this situation. Saul, what was he breathing? He was breathing out threatenings and slaughter. Imagine a human being that has his breathing. He's not breathing air. <laughs> what is he breathing? Threatening. And then when the threatening comes out, what is coming out? <laughs> slaughter. <laughs> Just, just picture the thing and he's breathing that means his every breath was a violent hatred against the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ the Bible now says he went to the, to the high priest see it's not the high priest that sent for Saul it was Saul that went he volunteered so he went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound. He might apprehend them and bring them bound to Jerusalem. Then as he journeyed. So you see, this is a journey that has an agenda. It's a journey with an agenda. It's a journey that was fired by zeal. Zeal for a cause. Nobody forced him to go. He was sent because he volunteered. He came. He said, send me. Uh-uh. What about your transport money? He said, don't worry about that. Just give me letters. What kind of zeal was this? It was what he was breathing in and out. That threat and murder. He had a burning vision to fulfill in Damascus. What was the vision? The vision was to take hold, to apprehend and bring to justice and murder and death every uh, 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 follower of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now note that he had authorization from a source. 
Some people gave him letters. What's the person's name? The high priest, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish authorities. They gave him authorization. So imagine Saul comes with his letter to one synagogue in Damascus. Once they see the seal of the, of the high priest, then they say, ah, this man came from the highest, because the high priest was the highest authority among the Jews as far as religious matters were concerned. So with an authorization from the high priest, he had cooperation with all the uh, synagogues assured. And then those synagogues would show him and point out to him um, all those so-called Christians and all those followers of the way. So he had authorization from a source. Now the Bible said, as he journeyed, so note, he was traveling, look at that in verse 3, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. He came near, he was already close to Damascus. So this is, this is already several days. If you, if you, I was in Israel this January, and the land of Israel, um, is not a very big country, 8 million people population, but the distance from Jerusalem to Damascus is quite a trip because Jerusalem is somewhere around the middle of Israel in, in the, among, around the Judean hills. But then you have to go to Damascus, which is in Syria. Damascus is one of the oldest continuously inhabited cities in the world. I mean, such cities include cities like Jericho, Damascus. They are thousands of years old. It's the same Damascus that you have been reading about in the Old Testament that is still there today as the capital of Syria. This was a journey of several days. And the Bible said, as he came near, in other words, his vision was within grass. He was getting close to the agenda that brought him. And he had the authority. The Bible now says, look what happened. As he journeyed, he came near to Damascus and suddenly, somebody say suddenly now, suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So note what has happened there. This is at midday, in the middle, at noon. And this light shone from heaven. Later when Paul was telling the story to Agrippa, he said, at midday, O King Agrippa, a light shined from heaven that was brighter than the noonday sun. The light that shined at midday was brighter than the sun shining in its full strength. And this was the zenith. I can imagine as the sun was shining and Damascus was closed, Saul believed that his agenda was within reach of being accomplished. But then there was a collision with the light from heaven. The light from heaven shone around him. Huh? And then this light that was brighter, and I, I want you to know that word brighter than the noonday sun, is brighter. <laughs> That's why Jesus is called the bright and the morning star. You see, all the other stars, they shine at night. But Jesus is the star that can be seen in full daylight. You have never seen any other star like that. Somebody give him praise inside the house. You understand what I'm talking about? Brighter than the noonday sun. And then the Bible now says, that light began to talk. The, Paul was, Saul was having a conversation with the light. So look what happened there. Then he fell to the ground. Suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, 
So this light that Saul saw was a person. Light began to talk. Saul was having conversation with light. When the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, there is nothing figurative about that statement. It's the truth. The light was talking to Brother Paul and Saul was conversing with the light. He fell to the ground. So note, there was a collision with this light. Don't forget where we have started. Number one, we established that Saul was pressing towards the mark to apprehend that for which Christ had apprehended him. Number two, we established that there can be no pressing if a life has not been apprehended by Christ. The first thing, the foundation of all the things that we are going to study this weekend is that a man was apprehended. And you remember, we have established that apprehended is not a kind word. It's a violent interruption of somebody's agenda. It's a seizure. It's, it's a grasping. It's a taking hold of, of somebody that changes everything. So now, we are now looking at how Saul was apprehended. So that, that will help you to follow uh, the story. Now, so look again in verse, verse 4. When the light shone, what happened to Saul? Then he fell to the ground. I don't know whether he was on a horse, or on a donkey, or he was walking. But the next thing that happened was that this light knocked Paul or Saul to the ground. So note, all the conversation that Saul was having with the light, from where was he having that conversation, please? From the ground. The man began his Christian life from the ground. <laughs> you need to see the importance of what I'm sharing with you now. The conversations that Paul was having with the light, he was not speaking all these things, asking these questions standing. The collision, the force of the collision knocked him to the ground. He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The first shock is that this light knows my name. Who is this person that is calling me? In fact, when you read the story in Acts 26, Saul says that the voice was speaking to him in his native Aramaic tongue. He didn't speak Greek. He spoke to him with clarity in his native. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then from the ground he said, who are you, Lord? Now, you don't know him, but something tells you that this is Lord. You see, you see who are you, Lord? Imagine, you see, that's what happens in the presence of Jesus Christ. Everything in creation knows that this is the Lord of the universe. You may not be sure who he is, but you are sure that he is Lord. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, what is going to happen? Every knee must bow. And every tongue, the Amplified Bible said, will frankly and openly confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Who are you, Lord? They say, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. <laughs> Do you understand what Jesus is saying here? Oh boy. I like the Bible. <laughs> See, Jesus said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Then it is hard for you. 
Can you imagine that you are persecuting a person, but it is not hard for the person you are persecuting. It is hard for you that is doing the persecuting. <laughs> oh boy. No wonder the Bible calls him the rock. He said, if this rock falls on anybody, what will happen to the person? It, it, you know, first of all, if you fall on the rock, what will happen to you? You will be broken to pieces. But if the rock falls on you, what will happen to you? It will crush you to powder. Powder in scripture is a picture of judgment. Powder is hopeless, irretrievable. You see, if you fall on the rock, you are broken to pieces. But because he came to bind the broken, there is hope. But if you don't fall on the rock in surrender, and you cast yourself on the rock looking for grace and mercy, and then the rock now reverses and falls on you, the Bible says it grinds the person to powder. And powder in scripture, like I said, is a picture of judgment. Two examples. Moses ground the golden calf to powder. You remember? And he scattered it on the water. He made them to drink it. Number two. The stone cut without hands smashed the image of Nebuchadnezzar. It was crushed to powder. And the wind scattered it. When it gets to powder, that's the end of the matter. There is no hope. But notice in these instances, in the two situations, nothing happens to the rock. <laughs> if you fall on the rock, you are broken. If the rock falls on you, you are crushed. In the two cases, the rock remains the same. Because he is the Lord, he does not change. You are persecuting me, but it's hard for you. Everybody who is quarreling with Jesus, it is hard for you. Every person who is agreeing with what the Lord of the universe said, it is hard for you. It's not hard for Jesus. The confusion that you are causing inside your house, is it hard for the master or is it hard for you? It is hard for you. Anytime you are going contrary to the word of God, anytime you are going contrary to scripture, you are going contrary to sound counsel, you are kicking the bricks, you are wounding yourself. It is hard for you. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. You know what those were? The bricks or the goats, they were sharp pointed things that in the Middle East, they use them. If the donkey, you are riding a donkey, and the donkey starts getting sluggish, they don't use stick to hit the donkey. They use that sharp pointed something to chook. Chook. Is that an English word? <laughs> to prick. To, to prick the donkey. And then when they prick the donkey, then the donkey, you know, will move up like that. You understand the point? And then the donkey knows that. So after some time, the donkey, as stupid as it is, <laughs> Except the one that talked to Balaam, by the way. The donkey knows that if you don't want this sharp something coming at you, just keep going. So the donkey keeps keeps carrying the person and keeps going. But if it slows down again, then the donkey. So it is that sharp thing that Jesus is saying to Saul, it is hard for you. You are kicking something. I'm holding the gold to direct you to where you are going. But instead of following me, you are kicking against what, what is supposed to control you. It is hard for you. Ah. Then look, he says, so he, trembling. I told you this was an arrest. Just imagine that police came and they arrested you. You know, you'll be trembling. You'll be, you'll be wondering what is going on. He, trembling. Huh? And astonished. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Now, note, note now, this is no longer a man that wants to do what he wants to do. He's an apprehended man. And the mark of an apprehended person 
is that the days and the years of doing what you like to do are permanently over. Lord, what will you have me to do? What will you have me to do? What will you have me to do? It's no longer what Saul wanted to do. You see, the, the man that is saying this thing was going to do something. Am I correct? He was going, he was a man that had an agenda. He was heading to Damascus. He has letters. He has authorization. He has a mission. Suddenly, so what happened to his mission? The mission died. His agenda died. His plans and his programs died. Lord, what do you want me to do? And for you to confirm that this was a violent apprehension, look at what the Lord Jesus Christ told him. Huh? He said, then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Did you hear that? This is not a suggestion. <laughs> get up and get into the city. You will be told what you must. Ah, ah, who is this person who is not making suggestions? What the, who is this person who is not having a discussion with you? Say you will be told what you must do. He is the Lord of the universe. The light from heaven. Paul, the son of the living God. The creator of the ends of the earth. This man is arrested. He's apprehended. This is a seizure. Somebody else has kidnapped him. And collected his passions. Paul, the person has collected his priorities and taken his agenda. All of his ambitions died at that spot. As he was talking from the ground. All the letters he was carrying in his pocket, they became useless. We never hear of those letters anymore. And we never hear that he wrote a resignation to the Sanhedrin or to the high priest back in Jerusalem. And the men, look at verse 7, the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing nobody. Then Saul arose from the ground and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Hey, hey, hey. This was not how the man planned. He was going to enter Damascus with a triumphant entry. Now, he is blind. He has scales on his eyes. And they are leading him by the hand. And as they are leading him by the hand, up in heaven I can imagine them say, yes, we have apprehended this life. We have blinded him to where he was going so that we can take him to where we want him to go. We have apprehended this life. They are leading him. And he has no choice but to follow the people who are leading him. Now he can't determine where he wants to go. It's wherever he is led that he will arrive at. Apprehended. It was at this apprehension uh, that he received a heavenly vision. He said Jesus spoke to him. Uh, he said, I'm going to send you. Get up from your feet. I'm going to send you to the Gentiles to open their eyes. To turn them from the power of Satan to the power of God. That they may receive an inheritance among those that are sanctified by faith that is in me. And then he said, Acts 26 verse 19, he said, Wherefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He received the heavenly vision. Why was that possible? Because he was apprehended. His earthly Listen, his earthly vision was apprehended so that he could receive a heavenly vision. Until there is an apprehension 
of all of your earthly visions, a heavenly vision will permanently elude you. Heaven cannot show anything to people whose heads are filled with earthly agenda. Scales, scales fell upon his eyes. He couldn't see. It was later that he received brand new eyes. When Ananias came to minister to him. Ananias, you know, after, after, you know, when the Lord now went, he spoke to Ananias. Huh? So you, by the way, look at verse 9. Saul was three days without sight and he didn't eat or drink anything. Verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias. This is a different Ananias. The other one is Ananias. See? This one is Ananias. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> the names are the same, but the characters are very different. Oh yes, I have known long ago that names can be very deceptive. There are people that are called grace that have no iota of grace inside their heart. There are people that are called mercy, that are merciless. And there are men that are called innocent. <laughs> that are everything but innocent. <laughs> Ananias. This one is a correct Ananias. A certain disciple at Damascus. And to him the Lord said, Ananias. And he said, Lord, here am I. The Lord said, arise and go to the street called what? Straight. And inquire at the house of who? Judas. For one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is doing what? He is praying. Please, I want you to don't miss this. This man has just been apprehended. And now the Lord Jesus Christ is leading him. Somebody is, people are leading him into the city. And they have led him to a house. But to which house was this man led? He was led to the house of somebody called Judas. Where, what street was this located? It was a street called Straight. I told you Damascus is one of the oldest continuously inhabited cities in the world. And that street is still there. I've seen a picture of it. I've not been in Syria before. But it's a straight street for several kilometers. Straight. Straight. If you take an area picture, if you Google Damascus and you look at an aerial image, you will see that the street is straight. It's still in Damascus till today. Now here is the point. Of all the streets, you know that a town doesn't have one street. I mean, look at Enugu. Is it possible that Enugu has only one street? Of course not. There are plenty streets. So in Damascus, in my mind, I picture there is straight street, there is corner corner street, there is bago bago street, there is up and down street. There are all kinds of streets in Damascus. But the only street where somebody that was apprehended by Christ could be located was on a street that was called straight. It's today that you have people that are inside the church and they are telling us that they were apprehended by Christ, but they live on crooked street. Their business is not straight. There are lies in their mouth. There are people that are inside church who say they have been apprehended, but they are living in up and down street, in and out street. Corner, corner street. Today they enter inside the church. Tomorrow they go back to their mistress's house. Then they come back. They enter into their boyfriend's house and come back and get into their girlfriend's house. And, and they are, and they are apprehended. They are Christians in the church. Straight street. A man that met Christ. 
in the house of Judas. Judah means praise. The man lives on straight street with the high praises of God inside his mouth. And number three, he is praying. Those are three cardinal marks of a genuine apprehension. Whoa! Now look what happened. Then Ananias said, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and laying his hands on him, putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. And then I said, Lord, have I finished my ministry here? <laughs> Who are you sending me to? I have heard about, for, about, for many about this man, oh, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And in fact, here now he has authority from the chief priest. I don't know, maybe that's word of knowledge. I don't know, Ananias knew that. To bind all those who, who call on your name. Look at verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel. He's a chosen vessel of mine. Paul, to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. He's a chosen vessel. He's a chosen vessel. But you see, how does God raise chosen vessels? He apprehends them. All you need to do is go through scripture. Every chosen, not just scripture, through history. Every chosen vessel has had an experience of being apprehended by Christ. Arrested. Seized. It may not be light flashing from heaven. Are you following that? It may not be as dramatic as what, as what happened with Saul on Damascus Road. It may be somewhere in the quiet time where self died and a new agenda was born inside the spirit. It may be in a corner in a conference somewhere where somebody surrendered and that marked the end of something and the beginning of something else. But the experience of being apprehended is mandatory for chosen vessels. He's a chosen vessel of mine. He's a chosen vessel of mine. He is going to carry my name. Oh. You see, Jesus will not allow people that are busy with plenty things to join their name in what they are carrying. To be able to carry his name, there has to be an apprehension that separates you from other names. Oh. Where other names become quaternary, they are no longer important. And there is only one name to be hallowed in your life. He's going to be carrying my name. So I need to set him apart for myself. He's a chosen vessel. All chosen vessels are arrested by Christ. And those chosen vessels, God uses them to do terrible things in righteousness. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. Do you know that when Ananias laid his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the way as you are coming, he has sent me that you might receive your sight and that you might be filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, that was the moment. The Bible says suddenly, oh brother, suddenly scales, scales fell down from brother Saul's eyes. Scales. You now understand First Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4. He said, if our gospel is hidden, it is hidden to those who are perishing, in whom the God of this world has done what? Has blinded the minds and the eyes of them who do not believe. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine in unto them. There was a physical manifestation of his spiritual condition. There was a physical manifestation of his spiritual condition. Scales. Meaning that throughout his life, this man has been living with scales on his eyes. 
But those scales only became manifest when he met the man of Calvary. And those scales were taken away when the Holy Spirit came upon him and he received brand new eyes. Do you know what happened? Suddenly, with those brand new eyes, Saul of Tarsus looked at Ananias. Do you know that Ananias was one of the people that Saul came to arrest in Damascus? But now he saw a brother. He saw the world with brand new eyes. He looked at everything that was, you will now understand Philippians chapter 3. He said, everything that was gained to me. What did he say now? I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. How is that possible? It is when a man sees with brand new eyes. Suddenly, the things that looked attractive, the things that looked important, the things that looked big, your definitions of greatness, your definitions of success, your definitions of acquisition, and all the things that you thought were important with brand new eyes, you see differently. They were important when you had scales on your eyes. Your reputation was important when you had scales on your eyes. Money was more important to you than the kingdom with the scales on your eyes, but with brand new eyes, you are seen differently. Do you know that many of us doctors, you don't see patients properly. You see patients. A human being will come and sit in front of you in the clinic. Instead of you as a Christian doctor to see a soul that can possibly come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you have seen bush meat that is going to bring money. Somebody who is sick. Did I say you shouldn't write a bill? Of course you are going to write a bill. You don't manufacture the medicine. Even if you do, you, you, don't, you don't cook the raw material in your back, backyard. But oh, that as you see people, you are going to see differently. You are going to see human beings in pain. Human beings in need of compassion. Scales fell down from Saul's eyes. This was his apprehension. That man died to the world. He had new desires. Go back to Philippians chapter 3 and put up verse 8. Ah! Everything that was gained. He said, yes, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of how many things? All things. And I am in pain for losing them. Is that what the man said? No. He said, I count them. How? Like dog. The message version says, dog, dong. Dog, dong. That's what I count them. Everything that was gained to me, so that I may win Christ. So you see, this man had new desires. Everything, he died to the world. Now he could say, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that lives. It is Christ that lives in me. Now this apprehension resulted in brother Paul becoming the prisoner of the Lord. I said to you at the beginning, Paul never called himself the prisoner of Rome. Never. Let's read a few scriptures and we'll find a place to draw to a close this evening. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. In fact, if different people can find it and just read for me, I'll be grateful. Ephesians 4, 1, Philemon 1, 1, and then 2 Timothy verse 1, chapter 1 verse 8. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. Yes, please. I beg you. I, a prisoner here in jail for serving the Lord. I'm begging you. Thank you very much, brother. To live and act 
in a way worthy of those who have been chosen for such wonderful blessings as this. Thank you. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, the prisoner of the Lord, the prisoner of the Lord. Yes, read another one that you have found. Anyone has Philemon or Second Timothy chapter one verse eight? Huh? Philemon, yes. I Paul. I'm a prisoner for the sake of Christ. A prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. That's the point there. Huh? And in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8, what does it say there? Same thing. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Nor of me, his what? Prisoner. So notice, as far as Saul was concerned, he was not a prisoner of Rome. He was a prisoner of Christ. The man became a prisoner. He was frequent in prisons, but he was not their prisoner. (laughs) Do you know that this man was in prison, but there was no prison inside him? The man was free and in prison. But there are people that are in prison, but they are walking around free. Even when Saul was talking to kings with chains on his hands. He said, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. Somebody said, Paul, you are mad. You are mad. Your great lady makes you mad. He said, no, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Most excellent festivals. I'm speaking the words of truth and soberness. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. Agrippa said, ah, Paul, almost thou persuaded me to be a Christian. And Paul said, ah, no, it's not almost, though. please, let the thing happen immediately. I want you to be like me, except for this change. Can you imagine such a man? He doesn't sound like somebody who is in prison. He's, he's pitying the people who are sitting on the throne, but he has chains on his hand. He's not their prisoner. I can imagine him said, the only reason you can bind me is because I was apprehended. And the apprehension was an apprehension by love. An apprehension by the lamb that loved me. So you see, Saul didn't go about his life following this apprehension. Angry at the person that apprehended him. Rather, he says, who is this wonderful person that I met on Damascus Road? I want to apprehend you. I want to apprehend you like you apprehended me. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. He called himself, in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1, he said, I am a prisoner of Christ for you Gentiles. Look what he says, I am a prisoner of Christ for the sake of you Gentiles. So it is because of Christ that I am in prison, and I am in prison because of you Gentiles. I am an ambassador in bonds. That's what he called himself. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 20. Ephesians 6 20. Ambassador in bonds. Can you imagine the Nigerian ambassador? Should it be in bonds? That's not normal. An ambassador, we are in chains. But it's an ambassador of a higher power. And he says, I am an ambassador in bonds. I'm I'm in, I'm in prison for preaching the gospel, for the defense and the confirmation of the gospel of Christ. And brothers and sisters, his apprehension had a purpose. He was apprehended for divine agenda. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. And so, I want to say that the purpose of God suffers because Jesus Christ does not have enough prisoners. I said the purpose of God suffers. Why? 
I need you to help me to repeat that statement. The purpose of God suffers. Why? Because Jesus Christ does not have enough prisoners. Apprehended people that he can recklessly and freely deploy for his agenda. That's why the purpose of God suffers. In every generation where the Lord Jesus finds prisoners. Now when I say prisoners of Christ, I hope you understand that being a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ is very different from being a prisoner of, of a country and you are in prison because you are committing a crime. I'm talking about a divine imprisonment. An imprisonment that sets you free to become all that you can be in God. An imprisonment that brings out the best in you. An imprisonment oh, that brings out a memorial as you walk with God. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. The real problem that we have is that we have not been apprehended by Christ. Do you know all of our marriage problems is because somebody has not been apprehended? Let me give you an example. The madam says to the man, You, you, now she's trying to insult her husband. You, 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 look at you, look at you, you, you. You know what is going on in her head? She's looking for the correct adjective to use. You, look at you, 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 cow, cow is too big. You goat, goat, no, goat is too much for this fellow here. You, you, you lizard. Why can she talk like that? It's because her mouth was never apprehended. Do you know that when you are arrested, even your ability to talk is arrested. When you want to talk in court, they will say, sure, okay, keep quiet. Even the judge says, quiet. That's it. You, you can't talk until you are authorized to talk. And when you are talking, you can only answer the questions you are asked. If you start telling somebody, they say, stop. Somebody has taken over now. The reason the man can do what he likes inside the house that is breaking that house to pieces is because you have not been apprehended. You are doing your will. Remember brother Saul? He said, Lord, what will you have me to do? That is the language of an apprehended life. I said, that is the language of an apprehended life. Even if your wife says you are a very stupid man, what will you say? Lord, what? Lord, she said, I'm very stupid. What will you have me to do? Your wife is accusing you. You are sleeping with another woman. Now it's a lie. Maybe it's a lie. Eh? But you don't say, yeah, you, 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 no, you don't do that. An apprehended man, even in the face of that false accusation, what will you say? Lord, hear this false accusation, what will you have me to do? That's the question of an apprehended life. Because he died. So that those that live will no longer live for themselves, doing what they like. But for him who for their sakes died and was raised up again. Apprehended. That is where we must begin tonight. And let me say, brothers and sisters, that apprehension is the secret of divine trust. Committer. When Jesus has apprehended the life, then he opens his treasures to that life. I said, when Jesus has done what? Has apprehended the life. Now he can trust you. Now he can open his heart to you. Now he can open his treasury. 
Oh, Jesus only commits himself to those that have been apprehended by his love, apprehended by his grace, apprehended by his cross. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. So I want to close with our own apprehension. And I want to ask a very simple question, which I want you to think about as as we go along before we get to a point to pray. Have you been apprehended by Christ? From the things that we are describing, do you look like a life that has been arrested, seized, apprehended, captured, catalambano, by Jesus Christ? That's where the whole thing starts. You see, it is the apprehension that drives your desire to apprehend the one that apprehended you. So if you have not been apprehended, pressing towards the mark is not possible because there is no mark. It is in being apprehended that you suddenly realize that, wow, the scales will fall off your eyes and then with new eyes, you can now see the mark. You can see the goal. If that is not so, Eyes that have scales are in danger of pressing towards a wrong mark. Wow, this is very serious. I said eyes that have scales. Do you know that Paul was pressing? Saul of Tarsus was pressing. Is that not correct? He was heading to Damascus. He was pressing in Judaism. He was pressing with an agenda. But sir, he was pressing towards the wrong mark. It was when the scales fell off at his point of apprehension. That was when he saw the mark. That was when he saw the glory that is worth pursuing. The glory that is worth pursuing. That was when he saw the glory that was worth pursuing. Now, when I talk about being apprehended, I'm not talking about resigning your job and entering full-time, what you call full-time ministry. Hopefully, by Sunday morning, I'm going to address that. That's not what I'm talking about. Because every believer is already full-time. Jesus did not die on the cross to buy part-time Christians. A part-time Christian is a full-time sinner. Because if you are doing part-time with Jesus Christ, the question is, who are you doing the remaining time with? So I'm not talking of being part-time or full-time. That's not the point. And I'm not talking of flashing lights, like Brother Paul, dramatic encounters. I'm talking of a genuine experience that arrested your ambitions. Arrested your heart, arrested your passions, arrested your desires, and put them in prison for a different agenda, a heavenly calling. Like Saul was heading to Damascus, where are you journeying to? Many of us have these things set in front of us. We are going to our Damascus, it is noonday, it is very bright, we are making plenty of money. Oh, <laughs> we are building our houses. We are saving money. We are doing something else. Huh? And we are doing all these things. We are building a name, a reputation. We are pursuing uh, our postgraduate studies. All of these things in themselves are not wrong. But the question is, who is doing them? And what are you doing them for? Look at now in our country. People are pursuing power now. That's the mark that is set before them. They are chasing it. They are pressing. By crook or by hook. The eternal Jehovah will disappoint evil people in Nigeria in this election that is coming. You are not saying the amen very well. I hope you are praying. 
I hope you are praying for this nation. I hope you are praying. This is time to pray now like never before. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. The challenge, brothers and sisters, is that, please listen to this before we get to prayer. A life that is not apprehended by Christ is dangerous. For you to continue living, doing what you like, sleeping with who you want, spending your money the way you want, planning, just living your life and coming to church, maybe sing in the choir, put some money in the offering box and continue with your life. For you to be living life without being definitely arrested and apprehended by Christ, that is dangerous. The reason is because an unapprehended life does not have the divine breaks. You see, what happened was that Jesus matched the breaks on Saul. He matched the breaks. And Saul of Tarsus came to a screeching halt. He stopped in his tracks. He landed on the floor. He had a reality check. Something bigger than him manifested. That's the reason we have Paul's story today. That's the reason. You, this man, I believe that Saul of Tarsus, Paul, is the greatest person that has ever lived on planet Earth, apart from Jesus Christ. I believe that is the most influential person. How many people do you know that lived 2,000 years ago? The things they wrote are still being sold. His words are being preached and memorized by millions of people. 2.3 billion people around the world are reading what he wrote 2,000 years ago. That is influence. I personally believe that Saul, Paul, Paul was more influential than Moses. This is my personal opinion. You can, you can take yours. All of that was not possible until this man was apprehended. Arrested in his tracks. Have you had such an experience? Or are you still in your sins? That's level one. There are people that are here tonight and you are living the life of sin. You know your secrets. You know the lying is normal in your mouth. There is pornography inside your phone that you are watching. As you are sitting where you are sitting, the phone that you are holding inside church has naked people inside. And you come to church. You will take money from people, you will not return it. There is somebody like that in church now. But you are a Christian, you go to church. The people have asked you for the money so much that they decided to leave you in the hands of God. Today, God is calling you. Or maybe you are being unfaithful somewhere. All of these things will bring destruction. But may Jesus Christ apprehend you here tonight. May may there be a divine arrest. A heart that is arrested by the grace of God. Or maybe you call yourself Christian, you come to church, but even though you are born again and you have been coming to church, you even pray in the spirit and you you do all of those things, you are still going where you want to go. You are still living your life. There is no heavenly vision. Your heart and your mind is occupied and possessed by an earthly vision. There is no clear call of what God wants you to do with this one life. I hear a call from heaven say, Apprehend! Let there be an apprehension. Being apprehended is the doorway to greatness. It is the doorway to glory. It is the doorway to a heavenly vision. It is the doorway to enduring significance. But this loose and free life, where you are free to go where you like and do what you like 
and be what you want and spend what you want and just live your life the way you want but come to church and drop some money in the offering box. That life is a dangerous life. It is a dangerous life. And so tonight, as we are beginning uh, looking at pressing towards the mark, we have seen that Saul of Tarsus Saul of Tarsus was apprehended by Jesus Christ on Damascus Road. It was a good arrest. He was apprehended. He was going somewhere else. But Jesus met him on the road and changed his destiny. The grace of God. And you know, when you now read the story of Brother Paul, you hear him talking of grace. He said, I was the chief of sinners. Oh, but the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was abundant towards me. With mercy and love. I persecuted the church, but he forgave me. I, I did all kinds of things. He said, me who before I was injurious. That's what gives me hope. <laughs> I said, that's what gives me hope. That's what gives me hope that no matter where I have been, Jesus is calling me to a glad surrender. He's calling me to receive grace. You see, the apprehension also happens when you answer the invitation of Christ. To a total surrender. And you say, Jesus, here am I. No longer I, but you in this heart and life. We have seen that this apprehension changes everything. It, uh, it's an arrest that breaks the chains of the past. Saul never went back to the chief priests or the high priests. He never went back to them. In fact, those people became his persecutors later. When you read later in the book of Acts, they were now looking for him to kill. In Damascus, Saul opened his mouth. He began to preach. They wanted to kill him. They put him in a basket and let him out through the window. He now has a new master. When he was apprehended, he received new eyes with a new vision. Remember that he began his journey from the ground, from the ground. The thing knocked him to the ground. The light that shined from heaven knocked him down. That was a place of humility. It was a place of brokenness. It was a place of brokenness. And this soul of Tassos that was full of himself, arrogant and confident, now there he is, broken and and groveling on the ground and speaking with the master. They say, get up and enter into the city. You will be told what you must do. Brothers and sisters, this is where pressing towards the mark must begin. And let me say in closing, before we now pray, that Jesus does not force people. I, I was talking with a young man yesterday on the flight as I was coming to Enugu. And he said to me, he said, look at the situation with Paul. Why doesn't Jesus do that for everybody? Just bah like that on uh, Damascus Road and change everything. I told him, I said, no, no, that's not God's pattern. And if you insist on waiting for that, you might get lost. Because now, he says, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice, this is a willing surrender oh, to the absolute control of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where you say, Jesus, make me your prisoner. Your love prisoner. <laughs> make me your love slave it will be the beginning of great things it will be the beginning of new vistas as the Lord himself takes you by the hand and begins to lead you in the way let us pray let's pray now oh thank you Jesus thank you Jesus have you been apprehended by Christ 
Have you been arrested by the Son of God? Does he have a hold on you? A seizure on your ambitions? He's calling us today. He's calling us to the place of total surrender. Where he will sit as Lord upon the throne of our hearts. And he says today when you hear his voice do not harden your heart. There is mercy in the house. There is mercy in the house. There is grace in this house. Oh, dear Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit here tonight, apprehend us. Apprehend our passions. Apprehend our plans. Apprehend our lives. Arrest, seize, take over. By your Spirit, draw us to that place of total and absolute surrender. Where you are the one that sits enthroned in the, upon the thrones of our hearts. Where we are led by the hand to where you will have us go. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Would you like to respond to the Lord? And say to him, Jesus, I am available tonight. Arrest me like you arrested Saul. Do it in your own unique way in my own life. You notice how Jesus arrested Peter. It was not flashing light from heaven. It was by the sea of Galilee. It was in the context of fishing. He said, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And Jesus said, yes, I have arrested you now. From now on, don't be afraid, you are going to catch men. I've changed your occupation. Notice it was real, but it was different from that of Saul. For Nathaniel, he saw him when he was still under the fig tree. And he sees you where you are in your unique situation. And he's calling you tonight. He's calling us to a glad surrender. And I want to make the call now. You are in church this evening. And you are saying, Brother Ferdinand, pray for me. Pray with me. I want to experience this apprehending that changes everything. I want to experience this apprehending by Christ. The divine arrest that changes everything. Please just put your hand above your head. I'd like to pray with you. This call is for everyone in the congregation. Apprehend me, Jesus. First of all, you are saying, Jesus, apprehend me from a life of sin. Arrest me. Seize me. Take me out. Save my soul. Wash my sins away. Forgive me. Oh, Jesus. I belong to you. Forgive my sins. Wash me. As you are sitting in the... That's the first call I'm making. A call for people 
that want their sins forgiven them. You want him to cleanse you and apprehend you out of a life of sin. You want to acknowledge tonight that you need him. Raise up your hand above your head. We will pray with you. You will have a new life. God bless you. Thank you. You're welcome. Children are welcome. The earlier you are apprehended, the better. Amen. Thank you. Now let's pray. In Jesus' name, Heavenly Father, we ask that by the blood that Jesus shed on the cross of Calvary, the sins in these lives will be taken away, washed away. Lord Jesus, take over control of these hearts. Establish yourself as Lord in their hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Satan, I break your power over these lives. And from tonight, I decree them, children of the Almighty God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, gracious Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Now, the rest of us, we want to pray. And like I was saying, this call applies to everybody. I perceive the Lord calling many of us tonight to come to that place where we put our lives before the Lord Jesus Christ and we are saying, Lord, apprehend this one life of mine. Take it over. Seize it. Confiscate it. I don't know if God is giving you insight and understanding into what we are looking at tonight. But in my spirit, I just perceive that until a life is apprehended, properly arrested by Christ, taken over by the Son of God, the full potentials and possibilities of that life in the hand of God cannot be made manifest. Can we have as many persons as tonight you are saying, Lord, I'm coming to you with fresh surrender. Just put up your hand. I want to pray with you. You may say you are born again, but my brother, my sister, have you been apprehended by Christ? Let's pray. Begin to talk to the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, have your way in this one life. I lay it at your feet. No longer I, no longer what I want, but what you want. Let that be what will happen. Let's pray. And even those that are sitting down, respond to the word of God in prayer. Please open your mouth and pray now. And talk to the Lord. And say, Jesus, that thing you did to Saul of Tarsus, that took away his eyes from everything else in life, do it in my own life. That I may be totally and absolutely focused on you. Respond to the Lord before we pray for our brethren. Just present yourself before the Lord. And say, Jesus, I surrender all to you. From tonight, I am apprehended by you. I am your prisoner. I am apprehended by you. Jesus, everybody let's pray. From the depths of your heart, just talk to him. You have absolute control, complete authority over this life of mine. And from tonight, I want to apprehend that for which you have apprehended me. Father, thank you for the word that you have spoken to us tonight. Thank you for my brothers and sisters standing before you. Thank you for every one of us crying out to you from the depths of our hearts. Asking you to have your way in us. To apprehend our passions. To apprehend our lives. 
to apprehend our finances, to apprehend our bodies, apprehend, apprehend, to take over, to take hold of everything that constitutes our personality. All we are and all we have for all time and for all eternity. Lord, tonight, they are at your disposal. We bring a happy surrender, a glad surrender of all that we are to your feet. And we ask that Jesus, as surely as you apprehended Saul of Tarsus, apprehend us tonight and make us your prisoners. Prisoners of your grace, prisoners of your love, prisoners of your purpose, limited by your will, in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask that from tonight, Savior, lead us where you will have us to go. And we pray that, Father, you will give us brand new eyes to look at life, to look at life, to look at things, to look at people, to look at priorities. You will give us brand new eyes. Take away the scales tonight. Father, take away the scales tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Every scale, every veil covering hearts and eyes from the priorities of heaven. Take them away from our hearts in the name of Jesus Christ. And cause us to see as you see. And from tonight, have your way in every department of our lives. Thank you, blessed Savior. And Lord, begin now to show us how to apprehend that for which you have apprehended us. In Jesus' name. I kindly invite our brother, evangelist, engineer, Chris Fakosa, please come and close us up in prayer. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight. We exalt your name above heaven. We glorify your name above the earth. We thank you for how you have richly blessed us tonight. We ask that nothing will impress us in this world more than the glory of your being. Hold us securely within your flock and place our feet upon the rock of ages. Father, we commit the speaker into your hand. We ask that he will speak always under an open heaven. We ask that priestly anointing, prophetic anointing and kingly anointing will be functional and be operational in his life. In the name of Jesus. We also ask that uncommon favor and unprecedented breakthrough will become his trademark. We thank you tonight. We magnify you. As we come tomorrow, we know tomorrow will be better than today. Thank you, Father. We seal this prayer with the precious blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, be grace. The love of God and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. The Lord be with you. His grace will go with you and His presence will sustain you.